I'm Nadelle, and I want to welcome you to Beyond the Booty podcast. I have a passion to see women thrive and take control of our health, our hearts, our identity, and our life. This podcast will focus on identity, relationships, faith, health, and so much more. It will be a place where women are encouraged to discover our worth and empowers us to thrive whole and healed in a society that celebrates brokenness. I'm so happy you've joined the conversation. Welcome to Beyond the Booty. Today we're going to be reading Dating the Devil, 13 Real Signs You're Dating a Narcissist, plus four ways to begin the process of healing from narcissistic abuse today. I wrote this because one of the relationships that I went through after Matt passed away was with a narcissist sociopath. It was the one relationship that probably taught me the most. So let's get to reading. I will not cheapen the very real pain that so many people are in when they encounter a narcissist. The victim is often left to reorder their lives and their finances and may struggle to mend their heart and self-worth. Still, I do not want to feed into a cycle of staying stuck. Healing is a choice. Once we identify what we're dealing with, we can begin to take steps towards healing. Okay, if you've landed on this page or on this podcast, you're likely searching for answers on the whirlwind of trash that just slapped you in the face. You might also be asking yourself if you just encountered a crazy person or if you yourself are going crazy. You're wondering how your perfect soulmate romance just took you from levitation mode to flat on your behind and in a state of total confusion. How does someone's heart change so quickly? I have some sobering news. It was all a game. I know that may be hard to hear, but if you did in fact just encounter a narcissist, then this is the harsh reality. And the faster you can wrap your mind around this disorder, the quicker you will move on. I promise. First, you're probably wondering how you fell for this. You're probably smart. You have a thriving career, you're successful, you might be a mom, you're beautiful, you're witty. You're quite the catch in every regard. Listen, don't beat yourself up. When it comes to being duped, anyone can be the target. What's important is that you got out or you're right now seeing the signs that are screaming at you to look a little further. And if you already got out, you're likely trying to make sense of the trail of chaos that was left behind. This was me. I consider myself intelligent, independent, I'm successful, I'm witty, and I'm decent looking. On top of that, I have a strong foundation of faith and I have a working moral compass. In short, I bring a whole lot to the table. I'm guessing you do too. If you would have told me that I could be duped by a sleazy guy to the extent that I was, I'd say bring it on with full confidence that I could spot the counterfeit fairly easily. But that's not how this works. People with a narcissistic personality disorder or NPD or trash bags, as I appropriately refer to them, don't expose you to their toxicity right away. In fact, you'll get tiny red flags overshadowed by grand gestures of love. And so begins your tornado of a relationship. Before long, you're swept up in trying to navigate reality from what isn't real. You feel like you're going bat bleep crazy in your effort to survive the fall. It's quite maddening. 
The good news is that the narc can't keep up their act forever and they slowly start to seep their slime all over your pretty new dress. Yes, that dress that they told you wasn't their favorite, even though you look stunning in it. They'll expose you to their true nature because they either have you where they want you or they're starting to notice that you're catching on. This is when they panic and your life goes from a mix of sweet and sour to full on sour unless you play by their rules. Does this sound familiar so far? Okay, well, welcome to dating people with NPD. Here are 13 real life signs that you may have encountered your very own narcissist. Number one, the interview first date. When you first met, it felt like an interview. Really think about it. The interview first date probably went like this. He spent a lot of time talking about himself, almost as of selling himself, and a lot of time studying everything that you said. It may have been the longest date or phone call that you've ever had where he wanted to keep going because he was enjoying you so much, or I've never met anyone like you, or is positive already that you're the one. You may or may not have felt uncomfortable and a part of you may have even been flattered. It's fine, we're human and we long to connect. But something felt off. It didn't feel healthy and you found yourself making excuses when explaining the extent of the conversation to your friends who were already seeing the unhealthy red flags. Number two, always be closing. There's a saying that's used in sales, which is to always be closing. A person suffering from narcissistic personality disorder wants to lock you down as soon as humanly possible before you realize that this whole thing feels off. By the time the second conversation, date, or meeting has come around, they are now lockstep with everything you've revealed about yourself. They suddenly love God, Sushi, the chick flick you mentioned, their family, since you revealed that you're very close to yours, and so on. Basically, they're now painting the picture that you're their soulmate and they're professing how you're different and special. They're closing the sale. You are their next source due to your kind heart, your empathetic nature, and your caring demeanor. And you're basically ripe to give them everything that they need. And what they need is attention, someone to build them up, someone to make their emptiness feel less empty, and someone who will show them admiration. They are basically an empty trash bag on a hunt for valuable goods. That would be you, my darling. Number three, you're showered with love and more stuff. There are stages to their madness. You will be showered with more love notes than you ever wanted, more flowers than you care to accept, more attention than is really necessary, and more words of affirmation than the Bible itself gives you. It's actually all a bit cringeworthy, but you question the uneasiness and wonder if you're being too hard on this sappy soul who obviously just loves you so much in a week. You also begin to question yourself and if you're missing out on a good thing by not going for it. If you happen to try to put the brakes on, because that would actually be healthy, you'll be met with any information you shared about past relationships. How convenient that he's already interviewed you. You may have let down your guard and shared that someone cheated on you. Well, get ready to hear, well, you're just scared because of your last blank. I'm never going to hurt you. 
Yeah, that's the script they've already memorized. Number four, attention, please. Attention. They need it. They crave it. They cannot survive without it. Their sense of self-importance won't let them. Someone with NPD is empty. An empty trash bag's entire purpose is to be filled. It is their only purpose in life, and they will do whatever it takes to garner attention from you, other women, men, dogs, birds, or random pedestrians. It really doesn't matter. It also doesn't matter if the attention is negative or positive. Their attention, their need for attention feeds their need to feel relevant. So any interaction gives them a sense of relevance in that moment. Because no person can ever fulfill another person and their constant need for attention, you're going to begin to feel drained, distraught, and overtaken. They will also go out of their way to create jealousy and seek other women on social media and in social circles so that they can create a sense of instability within you. If he's an attention-craving maniac on Facebook, Twitter, and real life, that is a burning red flag. Number five, maybe the sky is actually green. Let me paint the picture. You're having a heart-to-heart early in the love bombing stage and you felt comfortable enough with your potential newfound soulmate that you spilled your fears, your dreams, and your past on him. He comforts you in the moment and vows never to hurt you like they did. Now, fast forward a few months and everything, and I mean everything, that you ever shared in moments of vulnerability will get hurled back at you as they convince you that your trust issues from your past are why you're accusing them of cheating, even though you're holding Facebook evidence. They'll convince you that your feelings of inadequacy regarding a work project are the same inadequate feelings you're showing in this argument. And that what they just said isn't even what they said, even though you're intelligent and you caught them in a lie. They will tell you the sky is green. So as you stare at a bright blue sky, you begin to wonder if you're losing your mind. You begin to have thoughts of recording conversations to prove your sanity. But even as you play back the recording, they convince you that you're misinterpreting their words and that their iPhone recorder is wrong. This is a tactic to create confusion and to exhaust you. Number six, when did I start having low self-esteem? When they've created enough instability within you by convincing you that you're their soulmate, they've sucked all of your energy with their neediness and convinced you that they are entitled to your love, time, and money, they will begin their phase to make you feel inadequate. This is where they start commenting on your clothing, your career, your intelligence, and downplaying all of your best qualities. You begin to question if you're attractive, if you need a new wardrobe, if your thriving career and role are mindless, and if you're a catch at all. Okay, reminder, you are amazing. This is called manipulation, and the trash bag has to get you to this place so that they can control you. You are still the phenomenal woman you started off being. Okay, number seven. Did he really just daddy me? Welcome to the control phase. This is where the empty trash bag calls you the minute you leave his house. He wants to talk to you all night at the expense of your sleep and then begins to try to control what you eat, how you dress, and what you spend your money on. 
He's often destructive and takes risks and puts you in compromising situations with your body, your money, and your time. He drops little hints about what he likes to see you dressed in. The one I dated suggested the same exact outfit of blue jeans and a plain white t-shirt no matter where we were going. Despite the fact that I have a pretty great closet. Basically, pay attention to the remarks about how, when, and why you should do certain things. If you feel like you're six years old again, that's an NPD fire engine red flag. Number eight, my sweet, poor, misunderstood victim. Enter stage left, the actor of the year. Unfortunately, the combination of your empathy and their lies is the perfect mix for their ego. Nothing is their fault. Is he jobless? It's someone else's fault he was fired. Was he single for a year? It's because he's a hopeless romantic who just can't find someone who appreciates his greatness. Did he fail to get a college degree? Well, it's because he attempted and all his classes were full. Uh, for six years? He ran a red light and almost hit a pedestrian? Well, they should have been walking faster. Basically, pay attention to the excuses he makes. Is it always someone else's fault? Or does he take ownership over his own life? MPDs never, and I mean never, admit fault, and they are arrogant about it. Also, pay attention to how they demean others, like waitresses and customer service representatives. If their actions make you want to be swallowed into the floor, that's a bad sign. Number nine, family and friends who... Trash bags are in constant fear of being exposed. Their best bet is to keep themselves out of the company of the people who know you best. For example, a close family member and can see what you may not see while you are twisting and turning in your own personal tornado. They will make excuses and try to keep both of you away from the people you love. They will do this by wanting more alone time with you and by controlling everything that the two of you do. They begin to feel like a whirlwind in your life. Their presence is overbearing and you never feel at peace, at ease, or relaxed in their presence. You are unfortunately in the isolation stage. You spend the time trying to recapture the love bombing stage because it may have been beautiful in some unhealthy, twisted way, but you will never get that back. That was act one and this story is reaching its finality. Number 10, folks, we have a ghost. Threatening to leave or actually disappearing for periods of time is known as the next stage in the circus. This too is a means of control. They do this to make you feel like you're losing them. The natural instinct as a human is to win. I write about this desire to win in a blog post called Choose Me Syndrome. Basically, you're going to start fighting for their love and affection. They will give it to you in spurts now as punishment. You also start to notice all of the cheating signs, like following girls on social media, being secretive in their texts, changing their passcode, and all the other obvious cheating signs us girls notice. They have already begun the process of finding their next victim. Let me tell you something. You did nothing. 
Let me reiterate this one more time for you. You are the same amazing woman who entered the circus and the trash bag suffocated you by capturing you for a time. But this is a game to them. And the girl they're now chasing is just another source that they will use to get them through the next stage of their empty life. They always overlap their sources since they cannot function without attention and relevance. You did not sign up to be a pawn in a sick game. Count your blessings that you are now seeing the light. Number 11, the sense of entitlement is real, but the story is fake. Yes, they feel they are entitled to your money, everyone's attention and admiration, opportunities they don't work for, their parents' financial support, a promotion they didn't earn, and the right of way on every road. You name it and they think they deserve it. They create fake lives to get admiration from strangers. You will hear them sharing their accolades, their FBI or military stories, their heroic encounters, their love of being saviors, and their ability to save all dogs from burning buildings. It's likely made up. They are often so charming and so manipulative that they will have a swarm of friends and admirers that they keep close to feed them when they need it, which is basically all day, every day. Deep inside, these empty trash bags are envious of everyone, and that includes you. Pay attention to the stories, the embellishments, the fact that they will talk about how great they are to anyone and everyone. They will have strong opinions on every single subject, even if they are not qualified to interject. Their voice is the only one that matters in any room, and of course, they have yet to find a room that has anyone as smart as them in it. At least that's what they believe. Number 12, no one leaves me. When the narcissist knows that you figured them out, they will start the cycle all over again and you'll find yourself being love bombed for a few days as they attempt to keep you hooked. They do not know how to function when they are not in control. Breaking up with them or putting boundaries in place makes them spiral out of control. They are robots. They do not function outside of the disorder, so they will simply start the cycle again in hopes that they can keep you hooked in a cycle. Do not fall for it. Get out and get out fast. Keep going, keep moving, change the locks, hire security. Number 13, do not engage at any cost. It doesn't matter what he says, what he does, or how he suddenly plays the victim to your friends, family, or his unknowing social media followers. Do not engage. He will paint you as the bad guy. He will say he loved you when he actually abused you. He will say he took care of you as he stole all of your money. He will say he dried your tears when in reality he left you disoriented and perhaps even heartbroken. It's infuriating. I know. Still, do not engage at any cost. Think back to all the things he said to you when he was playing the victim. It's just a repeating pattern in their sad life. Cut him off. More importantly, cut yourself off. Remember what I said about attention in point number four? Whether you're saying I love you or you're a disgusting liar, it registers the same to the narc. They don't differentiate between negative and positive interaction or attention. It is all the same to them. So lashing out is simply another way that you're feeding their need to be relevant. 
I hope that my experiences shed some light on what you went through and help you see that you're not crazy. You and I were manipulated. I'm grateful that I got away from the trash bag that flew into my life for a short amount of time. I know so many women and so many men who experienced this abusive behavior for years, and it was extremely damaging. But here's the great news. You're going to thrive. You're going to get past this. You're going to heal and you're going to have healthy relationships. The promises of God about you are real. You are beautiful. You're a treasure to him. You're valuable. You're loved. You're his daughter. As much as I wanted to set the record straight about what the narc had done to me, I knew that it would give him a relevance that he doesn't actually have in my life. I gave the situation to the God who sees everything. God is good. Vengeance is not ours to take, but God's to deal with. I am free because I chose to forgive and didn't want to give another minute of time to this. I believed that God had more for me. I know in my heart that God showed me these red flags and rescued me from this very disruptive situation. I also know that some of us are still carrying deep scars as a result. Listen, you are not alone. You're amazing. And what you experience does not define you. How do I begin the process of healing from the damage the narcissist left? That was my next question. But here's what I did. Number one, I closed the door. I already said this, but it's the first crucial step. Close the door means the literal door with a lock change and a security system. Get a dog, do whatever you need to do. It also means all the access points on your phone, your email, and your social platforms. Block, erase, and delete. I went as far as removing every single picture, threw away every note, and destroyed every gift. I just didn't want that energy in my peaceful home. I had to get my literal space back to a place of life and balance and peace. This part is your responsibility. If you desire peace, you have to get intentional about removing that which destroys it. You have a say in your life. I am also aware that many of you have kids with narcs, so this may look a little bit different as you co-parent. I also know that some narcs are dangerous, so please do what you need to do to protect yourself and get some people around you. But you can still set the same healthy boundaries around yourself and your home as you co-parent as best as possible. Number two, community. The right community is gonna be key to your road back to wholeness. It's brilliant to join recovery groups and Facebook communities of NARC survivors, but only until you have all the information that you need. The goal here isn't to stay stuck discussing your traumatic experience with others for the next five years because it's so easy to do. This will actually become a hindrance to your growth as you will begin to shape your identity around what was done to you. You don't want to do that. It took me about two months of learning, telling my trusted confidants the same stories over and over and reading about other women's stories. But then I decided I didn't want to stay in that wilderness. I refused to let him define me. I wanted a healthy life. I deserved a healthy life and you do too. Get a healthy community that's going to listen, that's going to empathize, but also one that's going to call you to action. A community is also key when he returns, not if, but when. 
They will help you to stay focused. Number three, the identity advantage. This is the time to heal and ask yourself some important questions. This is not the time to date or invite someone in to fix your pain. I talk about this explicitly in my blog post called Choose Me Syndrome. I needed to step away from this and redefine what was said to me and what was said about me in that relationship. I had to remove the lies that were spoken to me and replace them with the truth of who I was. I also write about this in a blog post called 69 Truths That Change Your Selfie. This happens through a relationship with God and is key to avoid repeating these cycles. Although it's not always our fault that we got duped, listen, it happens to the best of us, I had to ask myself why I ignored the red demon emoji red flag that was waving at me and really look at my tendencies to fix others. No, he hasn't changed for the other girl. No, it's not about you not being good enough. And no, you cannot change him. It's really time to focus on getting to know you. Number four, forgiveness. Yes, so easily stated, but so very hard to actually do. To make matters a bit more complicated, you're going to be forgiving someone who will never be sorry. But that's okay because forgiveness doesn't relieve the other person of their actions. It releases you from bondage. Forgiveness is a choice we have to actively make. And over time, sometimes a lot of time, you're going to get to a place where you're so healthy that the thought of them makes you stop and pray for them instead of residing in anger and bitterness. This one is tough, but it's also powerful. I was able to get here and when I released it all to God and trusted that he had such an incredible future for me, I was able to forgive. I counted my blessings and practiced gratitude for being rescued from the abuse. Once your identity is in order, forgiveness becomes easier to give. Okay, let's recap. Close the door, get in community, find your identity, forgive. You are so very loved. I pray that you have the strength to shut the door and change the locks. I pray that anything that was damaged is restored and that your heart is complete to love again when the real one comes to your door, because he will. Be courageous and don't look back. Why? Because the saying is true, that nothing that is worth anything is in your rearview mirror. This was my personal experience. I know that not all experiences look identical and not all stories will have the same details or outcomes. Please subscribe to my blog. I have exclusive content that's only available to my subscribers. Thank you for listening.